Well, Brian Harson survived the weekend. What does that mean for this football team and this season going forward? Well, Zach, I, I actually just finished crushing some chicken farm, and I am freaking ready to rock and roll. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackaby. Thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions apply. It's Monday. We're joined by Lindsey Crosby, writer at AuburnDaily.com and host of Locked On MLB Prospects. Brian Harson, Lindsey. Brian Harson survives another weekend on the Plains. A lot of fans are unhappy with that, but he won. He won. Uh, it's always tougher to, to move on from somebody after they somehow find a way to win. I'm confused. There was a football game on Saturday I was watching Aaron Judge versus the Red Sox I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> yeah ESPN wanted us to watch baseball um that that's for sure that's for sure great piece great opinion piece on that um that Lindsay wrote at auburndaily.com but yeah I mean the, the biggest thing to me was okay everybody kind of took a collective deep breath process everything that was going on and then all day Sunday, Lindsay, people are checking message boards every few seconds. People are poking in the Lockdown Auburn Discord every 15 seconds. Any news? Any news? Flight trackers are all over the place. I mean, it's just, it's craziness. But as of right now, everything I was told post-Missouri win, Auburn beating Missouri, was it either happens this weekend or it's probably going to go till the bye week, which will be interesting to see what happens based on, you know, if Auburn can perform against LSU, and then obviously what happens on the road in Athens. Yeah, and it's something where if it was going to happen on Sunday, it's going to happen Sunday morning. It's not going to happen after Sunday's practice. You're going to use all of that time to get everybody on the same page, get the players set up with all the the new interim and all of that stuff. So if it's not happened Sunday night, it's not happening. And it's something where... I understand the optics of you won the game on Saturday. Yeah. It really feels like Missouri lost more so than Auburn won, mm. but in the score column, it is still a victory. Uh, and it, it's very hard to fire a coach, one, at all, two, in midseason, three, in midseason after a win. But you can't come out of the Missouri game and feel better about this team than you did going in. Because just after the first two drives, what Auburn looked like for virtually the entire rest of the game. Yeah, I mean, I I think I agree with you. I think I agree with you on that. And look, I've pivoted a little bit, I guess a lot of it, on this. I was originally in the camp, as soon as you realize, okay, this isn't going to work. The season's going south. Pull the plug. You know, give an interim a, a chance. Let's see if you can salvage the season. And you get first dibs on, you know, who the next potential up-and-comer is. You get to go grab them or you get to go, you know, find an established guy. You get first dibs because I think Auburn will be the best job available this Mm offseason. But now, after beating Missouri and just seeing the 
effort that this team put on the field. Um, I just have a hard time. I have a hard time thinking, okay, you just got to mail the season in because you just look at the John Samuel Shankers and the Derek Halls and, you know, these upperclassmen that this is going to be their last season at Auburn. And I mean, if, if you think firing Brian Harson is the best for those guys in the short term, I'm cool with it. I'm not exactly convinced that's true anymore, but we'll, um, we'll, we'll have to see. Cause like if you, if you promote an interim, whether it's coach rock or Zach Gethridge, those are the two names I'm seeing most, you know, as far as promoting to interim, if Harson is fired, are they going to be able to just save this recruiting class and propel Auburn forward afterwards? And like, maybe, but it's probably not going to matter until they bring in whoever the next coach is, right? Yeah, and like you said, I mean, and Harson pointed out the one of the very first things in his press conference, like the effort, the energy was there especially from the defense. I wrote a piece mm-hmm. for Auburn Daily about the about the big three, Eculiota, Derek Hall, and Colby Wooden, about and just how how big of an impact they had on the game and how many snaps they played and how how much the defense carried Auburn through that game. And you know, Parson even touched on like the crowd the, the stadium was completely packed in full for an eleven o'clock kickoff after we just got boat raced the week before against Penn State. Is that true? So, like was it full? <laughs> was it full for an eleven o'clock kickoff? I, I I don't know about that. It it looked it looked a lot fuller than some other places that we saw yeah. for that had eleven or two o'clock kickoffs. Yeah. Old Miss is a big one that I thought. Sure, of. I'll give you that. Come out of halftime, student section is almost empty at Old Miss. Yep, Lane Kiffin, uh, if you're listening, it was full at Auburn. The student section was hopping at Auburn. It was full the entire time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, these guys are still fighting. These guys have not quit on their coach. Right. And I think at this point, everybody, including Brian Harson, knows what's going to happen at the end of the year. Barring some sort of literal miracle, we all know there's going to be a change. So let's get the most we can out of the guys we have, get playing to experience for guys we can, mm-hmm. um, have the assistants get out and get the recruiting done that we can to try to salvage a class and know that we'll probably still have our pick of coaches simply because most coaches who have a job right now would not be interviewing until late in the season, if not after their regular season ends anyway. That's a good point. That's a good point. And so uh, I'm with you on that. I I don't think we need to be in a rush. I know a lot of the Auburn fans um, really don't like him, and that's okay. I'm not telling you who to like and who to dislike, but think about the kids. And I I saw, I don't know if it was on our Discord or where it was, Lindsay. It may have been on Twitter. I'm not sure, but... Somebody made the comment, you know, does this team, do these kids really like Harson that much or are they just really good actors? I was like, no, I think these kids like Brian Harson a lot. I just think, uh, I just don't think he's a good scheme coach. I think he's fine on the culture front because I think you're seeing semi what he preached from a character standpoint. I think you're seeing it. I don't think you're seeing it from, you know, it being implemented on the field, but um, these kids like Brian Harson. And so if Auburn is to get to a bowl game, which is best for the program, you can say whatever you want, but Auburn needs to get to a bowl game this year to get those extra practices. You need Holden Gurner to get as many reps as possible if you think he's the future of this program. If you think Robbie Ashford's the guy next year, you need him to get as many reps as possible. Whatever it may be, you need to get as many practices as possible for a lot of these guys. Now, I do think moving forward, Lindsay, this season, 
you got to do something different with the offensive line. We've said it before, but Tate Johnson being out, the the drop-off from Nick Brahms to Tate Johnson was substantial, but I think the drop-off from Tate Johnson to Jill Oliver and I messed that name up. Jaleel Irvin was even more. The drop-off from Tate Johnson to Jaleel Irvin was even more substantial. And I think we saw that, one, in the bowl game against Houston last year, but also um, this past weekend against Missouri. I mean, it it was awful. It was really, really bad. And I, I hate it for Jaleel, but the offensive line really, really struggled. He was a big part of it. The The tackles weren't as good as they typically are. You have to try something different, I think. And that could be personnel. It could be how you're coaching them. It could be the scheme. It can be a multitude of things that you can do to help out this offensive line or attempt to help out this offensive line. To me, as long as Brian Harson's here and Will Friend is still the offensive line coach, they need to be doing something different every single day until they can find even just a little bit of a step in the right direction, Lindsay. Helps this team out drastically. Yeah, it's something where we saw in fall camp when there was questions about Nick Brahms, we saw a lot of different guys taking, you know, practicing snaps and kind of preparing to be that back of emergency in case of emergency break glass guy. Sure. Um, I think we need to break the glass now, mm. uh, try something different. And then, like you said, I mean, it's a lot of of just setting up and with a, with a quarterback under center and a back in the backfield and turning around and handing the ball to him on a, on a slow developing run play. Daryl Daffert touched on it really well on Sunday's episode. Like that just does not work this season. That has not shown to be an effective strategy this season. You have to either get the ball in the back's hands faster. You have to get them going outside. You can't just run it up the middle anymore. That's just a, yeah, and, and you heard it, adjust to it. You heard me push back against Daryl though, where it's like if yeah. we if we would have done something else and we didn't get it, it would have been like, yeah. why aren't you giving it to Tank? So yeah, and that was a valid point for that situation. But I think maybe now going forward, mm. you need to be looking at are there options we have to get the ball in Tank's hands that do not involve turning around and walking back there and handing it to him when yeah. he's ten yards back in the backfield. And there are- he had more yards after contact on Saturday than he had net rushing yards. That is crazy to me. Like, that is a stat. What's, like, 60-something yards after contact, but 40-something total yards? Like, yeah, that is amazing. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen that before. That's just astounding to me. But, yeah, I mean, go, going back to the fourth and short thing that we saw at the end of it, one, I think they should have kicked. Mm-hmm. They should have kicked. Um, yep. Do I think Anders is the best kicker in the world? No. We wrote about that at Auburn Daily over the offseason. Lance came on and talked about it extensively on um on a show that did really well when we talked about like the five biggest concerns going into the season. One of the ones we listed was Anders. And, you know, officially he's four or five on the season, which is fine. Most 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 places would take that. But you know, the the stuff that happened with the offsides and um all of that and the timeouts and stuff happening yesterday uh, on Saturday, that was that was interesting. So we'll see. We will see what happens with all of that moving forward. Lindsay, today's show is brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs is the best place to equip your small business with employees that can help your business grow. These days, every potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business, and you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs 
LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. You can make the job listing for free, then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. Lindsay, as far as the game on Saturday, I know we touched a little bit on you know, the, the fourth and short towards the end of it. But to me, the, the bright spot is Coy Moore. Mm-hmm. How do you find a way to make Coy Moore and Javarius Johnson both respectable threats at the same exact time? To me, that's, that's the question. That'll open up things in the running game. It'll make life easier for Robbie Ashford or TJ Finley or um, Holden Gurner, whoever's at quarterback. And also, I think it'll help out whoever's on the field at tight end, whether it's John Samuel Shanker or Luke Deal, and then other wide receivers too. I guess in that situation, um, I guess that would either be Camden Brown or Shedrick Jackson that would be the third wide receiver if both of those guys were on the field at the same time. So you, you got to figure that out, whether it's a scheme thing, whether it's you know route patterns. I mean, you've got to put both those guys on the field as much as possible and get them both six or seven targets each. And something that I want to kind of point out is we talked before the season about who was going to be Auburn's number one receiver. And I said, you're not going to know who the number one receiver is until you know who the quarterback is, because each quarterback is going to have their own rapport with their own receivers. And we heard from Robbie Ashford after the game, and he talked about that specific throw, that back shoulder throw that he did. That's something that he and Coy Moore have practiced multiple times. And that's something that they have chemistry on and they've worked on. And so, I feel confident about Ashford finding more in situations when he needs to make something happen. Now, to your point, the question is, how can you also scheme in Javarius Johnson? And then how can you work the tight ends into this? I do find it interesting that for as many wide receivers as Auburn has, we run a lot of two tight end sets. And part of me, I understand that, you know, sometimes you need the blocking help, especially right now. Sure. But I feel like, there's times when we could have stand to spread it out a little bit more, put three three receivers, one tight end, one back versus two receivers, two tight ends in the back, just to have a little bit more versatility in the passing game. Not something we've seen Auburn do a ton. Just feels like you get those three receivers out there together, get JVJ uh, and more being threats in the in the game, and it opens everything up for everyone else. Yeah. Going into the season, I would have disagreed with you because there was the, I mean, the strength of the offense was the tight end room and the running back room. And now I think Auburn's wide receivers are good. I just don't think we can get them the ball, <laughs> which is not what I was expecting. But like whenever if the, the quarterback had time to throw it, they would be good. And I also thought quarterback would be the issue if there was one. And I, I thought Robbie looked good on Saturday, considering, right, considering everything going on. And also, you know, I've said this before, like, TJ's the same situation. I I think whoever's at quarterback right now, we saw Holden Gurner um, look totally lost back there, too. I mean, the pressure is just unreal. I mean, the the pass rush of opposing teams, I cannot imagine, Lindsey, what LSU is thinking, game game planning for us. There is... um... 
there is probably not enough 3D printed body armor that we can make in our athletic facility to protect these quarterbacks from LSU. Why, um, if you're playing Auburn this year, why would you not send five every single play? I'm sending at least five, if not more. Although there there might be times when you can just have five down linemen and two running and, and two linebackers, and Auburn will ru- will run the ball into it anyway, because there was a we very, have to. There's a very insistence, like a very dogged insistence on we are going to run the ball. I'm and, cool with that though. Like I'm cool. Like we begged for that, right? Like we begged for that against Penn State, and then they do it against Missouri, like to a T. And it works for the first two drives. Then Missouri adjusts, and then we didn't know what to do after that. But with the current situation of this team, I'm okay with the, like, run it almost being stubborn about it. Like, nope, we're doing this. We're doing this. We have Tank Bixby. We convinced him to stay here and not transfer. We need to use him over and over and over and over again. And then when he gets tired here, Jarquez, you go have fun. Something you you touched on, I do want to come back to just real briefly, is... The opening, the two opening drives, Auburn doesn't throw the ball on the first drive. There were a couple plays that look like they were called pass plays where Ashford ended up scrambling. Sure. Pressure. Yeah. But Auburn has a focus on running the ball in a variety of different ways, feeding the backs in those first two drives and scores touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Then the pre-written game script runs out. And from that point on, Auburn doesn't score again until overtime. Yeah. How much of that do you think was Missouri having their way with our offensive line? And how much do you think that was live play calling in the moment, not being up to standards? If you would have asked me that question right after the game, I would have given Missouri credit. But now, um, and I'm trying to find it, Nathan King put out an awesome tweet, a very exposing tweet. Here it is. Nathan King of of 247, auburnundercover.com. Check him out. He tweeted out Auburn's last six second halves against power five opponents. Zero points, six points, three points, three points, six points, zero points. Last six power five opponents. You have not scored a complete touchdown in the second half of your last six power five opponents. What in the world? That's that's coaching. That's coaching and play calling. That's not scheme. I'm sorry. That's not uh, offensive line pressure. That's not a backup quarterback. That's your scheme. That is you are doing something in the first half that works. That's simple enough where they can adjust and take it away at halftime and you can't figure out something else to do. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't look like it's conditioning, right? Like, no, these guys don't look tired at the end of the game any more than like a normal football team. Right. Um, But yeah, that's half of the season. Right, I mean, you play twelve games. That's half of a season. Like that, that is a substantial, a substantial uh, sample size there. And some of and it's I a can... little misleading because it's the second half. So like, Auburn did score and get in the end zone in those four overtimes against Bama, but this is just the second half. Yeah, and some of that, you know you do get a short field in overtime. You're, like, you're kind of given that automatically. Sure. And yeah. so it's, right. it's different. I did see, I can't find it right in a second. I did see a tweet about Auburn's field position in the Missouri game and how they didn't start a drive. I think something like better than, than their own 30 yard line, the entire second half or something like that. So they had a lot of long fields, 
But still, that's a very, very telling stat. And I think if you have questions about does Brian Harson need to stay or go, you can look at this and you can say, well, schematically, it's not working. The production's not there. The recruiting's not there. We saw the piece last week on Auburn Daily. So what exactly would you say it is that you do here? Yeah, like what's the strength of the Brian Harson tenure? Um, you fix the culture? <laughs> you take you 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 do top gun videos with the quarterbacks? Yeah. You know? You work out a lot? Like that's I don't know. I've got nothing here. Like I, I can't I can't go to a to a the average Auburn fan who doesn't know all of the inside intrigue stuff and just knows that Auburn's not been playing well. I can't go to them and say, here's what he's doing really well that shows he deserves a third season. Yeah, that's that's what kind of I mean, that, that sums it up to me. It's like, whenever I evaluate individual players, I ask the question, okay, what does this player do well? And I think you could do that with anything. And like, what is what has Brian Harson done well? And it, it's tough. It's tough to come up with anything. And I, and, I, and I hate it. All right, so looking ahead to LSU, what can we expect from that in just a moment? Right here on Locked On Auburn. I want to tell you about our friends at the drugstore. It is a locally owned drugstore pharmacy that is in Auburn. It's run by Auburn folks, Auburn alum, and it's right off of North Dean Road. Encourage you to go check it out. They've got all kinds of things that you would need in regards to um, keeping your health or filling your prescriptions and all of the goods that you would find typically in a, uh, in a pharmacy, you want to head over to the drugstore. They've got a convenient use drive through They also offer delivery, a ton of awesome local features, and they really care about the community as well. So if you're in the Auburn or Opelika Lee County area, head over to the drugstore, move all your prescriptions over to there, and tell them War Eagle while you're at it. Thank you to the drugstore for partnering with Locked On Auburn. Lindsay, we made the joke earlier when talking about LSU, but... Man, I just kind of looking ahead to this game, Jaden Daniels has had an outstanding uh, season thus far, LSU's quarterback. Apparently, he's banged up a little bit, which I guess is good for Auburn. But outside of that, man, like I just have a hard time seeing how Auburn's going to score points. Yeah, I mean... LSU scored 21 touchdowns on offense in three games this season, four games. Uh, they, they pick up like seven yards per play. They pick up like uh, almost six yards per rush. And we just let Penn State run all over this team and then struggled to contain Missouri. I mean, they almost scored on one play in overtime that was a 20-something yard run that yeah. – was a fluky fumble why we won the game. And so we're going to ask this team to stop or to hang with LSU. I just, on paper, I don't see it. Now, the defense could absolutely step up and slow them down. I just don't know if the offense, if Auburn's offense can keep up at this pace. Yeah, yeah. I'm not concerned about the defense. I'm not concerned about the defense at all. But uh, I think they're going to be on the field a bunch. And I think over time, it's just going to wear you down. LSU is opening uh, at a seven and a half point favorite, according to our friends at Bet Online. 
The over-under for this game is 45 and a half. That seems a little high to me. Um, my gut reaction is the under there. But yeah, just over a touchdown for Auburn. And that's what um, that's what Missouri was. And Missouri almost won that game. So mm-hmm. just kind of for you know reference there. But Auburn has not covered once this season, if mm-hmm. you were curious. Mm-hmm. Right. So... We'll see, you know, going into the season, my take on this matchup was I think Auburn would win it, but it would be um it would be because like the Brian Kelly thing hasn't really like established itself yet. And that may still be true, but this team just isn't as good as I thought it would be. I was I was extremely wrong and I overhyped this offensive line way too much. Yeah. LSU has three backs that are averaging 5.9 or better yards of carry. That's crazy. Yes. Um, and together they have 11 touchdowns. I, like you said, defense, I feel okay that the defense is going to hold LSU to a reasonable amount of points. You're not going to shut down LSU. You're not going to shut down any any modern SEC offense, but I feel confident they're going to slow them down. Defensively, um, LSU has like 12 sacks on the year already. And I'm worried they might get 12 on Saturday. <laughs> oh, man. It's, yeah, maybe. I, just, I mean, they're not going to get 12. But like, they're not going to get 12. But if you told me they got four or five, it'd be like, yeah, maybe. Like, <laughs> I mean, what did Missouri get? Missouri did rather well for themselves when it came to stopping, I mean, stopping this Auburn team. Mm-hmm. LSU, uh, Missouri had double-digit tackles for loss. They had four sacks. They forced two fumbles. I mean, if Missouri can do it, Mm -hmm. LSU typically, like, they're also Tigers, but they're better conditioned and better. Tigers with more stars. I mean. So Missouri gave up, or they, they pressured us 15 times. PFF gives them four sacks, one quarterback hit, 10 quarterback hurries. And like Missouri's not good. They didn't have any, I believe any sacks in their previous game against an FCS team. Yeah. I think they had, I think they had eight hurries against Abilene Christian, seven or eight hurries against them. Then seven or eight hurries against Kansas state. And so just for like, I'm not huge on the whole, like, you know, the transit of property thing, but it's not good. The fact that we're giving up twice as many pressures to a team that Abilene Christian is. And I mean, at home. And that's not even a talent thing, right? Like, is Auburn's offensive line worse than Abilene Christian's? <laughs> there's no way, right? Like, there's no way it could be. But you're there's looking at no, these numbers I mean, and it's like, maybe it is. I, it, it doesn't make sense that they would be worse than Abilene Christian's, but maybe they're closer to to there than yeah. we realized. And maybe the scheme does them no favors. And we heard, um, we've heard people on this show talk about, you know, lack of some of the quick developing pass plays and uh, some of the, the, the same types of run, you know, the slow developing run plays and things yeah. like that. Maybe we're not schematically scheming around what our guys don't do well and trying to emphasize whatever it is that they do well. Um, I, I just, and, I hate it for Tank and Jarquez and Robbie and TJ. I hate it for them yeah. so much. 
because they're Take they're the ones that are statistically struggling from it. And then obviously, like any pass catcher, like they're not getting as many targets as any of them deserve. Like Malcolm Johnson Jr. is like not even like around, like it seems like, because there's just not enough targets for him. And he deserves targets, right? Like he he's so fast. He's so electric in theory. We haven't been able to see it because of the offense limiting him. But there's just so many guys like that where it's like, man, if we gave if we gave each of these guys like three more targets a game, like who knows what they could do with them. But it's just they haven't been able to pull it off yet. And I, I feel sorry for him. I hate it for him. Yeah, and it's it's something where I feel like if you can figure this out, if you can figure out a way to mitigate the offensive line weaknesses, you're not going to fix it. Not in season. There's no way. But if you can find a way to mitigate it, then you can see this offense reach something closer to average level of performance. And I think if you can do that, if you can get the offense closer to average Mm -hmm. with the defense that has looked, excluding the Penn State game, has looked pretty good, especially against Missouri, then it's a little easier to give Auburn a chance in some of those toss-up games later like a Texas A&M, like in Arkansas. But as of right now, the team that we saw on Saturday, they're not going to be favored in a game other than Western Kentucky this season. And... It's a shame. I like you said. I hate it for the actual the the individual players mm-hmm. covering a game. You get to go to the press, like you know the the media room, and you get to meet these guys after the game, and they do, they come out to do interviews and stuff. And they're all fantastic people. Right. They're all very nice people, and they deserve a chance to show what they can legitimately do. And they're not getting that chance. It's a, it it sucks. Yeah, it's a shame. It really is. I hate it for them. Um, Lindsay, how can people uh, find you, hear you, read you, all that stuff? I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. My show, Locked on MLB Prospects, is available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. You can find the writing at auburndaily.com and the merch at aushirts.com. Most of you will be watching or listening to this on Monday. If it's before Monday at 3 o'clock Central Time, Charlie Five and I will be recording at Barbaritos, the one by the mall. It is not the new downtown Auburn location. That was not quite open yet. Once it's open, we'll probably be there. But for now, it's the one next to the Auburn Mall. Come by and hang out with us, eat a late lunch or early dinner with us. Um, It'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a lot of fun. You can read all my written work at auburndaily.com. And until tomorrow, this has been Locked On Auburn.